you wanted to kill me? You wanted to kill me. What are you going to do now? Now death is coming for you. Hell is behind that door, and you're going to meet death now. The living dead. I am all for the zombies, but I have no idea. <laughs> all right, so this actually is a very vile, disgusting, evil witch who runs a dance academy in Germany. This is Helena Marcos from Suspiria, 1977. What a movie. Oh my God. I had seen the original one and I cannot believe I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Great witch quote, Rob. Thank you. Well, I can't take full credit for this because this is actually a suggestion from one of our charmies. Ryan L. Terry suggested this uh, witch to be quoted from this movie. He's a big fan. So if any charmies out there want us to quote and highlight a witch that our show has not done before, definitely let me know. Just send a DM either on Instagram or Twitter, and we'll see about putting your witch on the show. But yeah, thank you, Ryan, for the suggestion. I saw both the original and remake of Suspiria. I thought they were both okay. I think they both have their strengths, but overall, it's not my type of witch movie it's just it's just very artsy and different and i know that these movies are beloved by a lot of people and you have great taste but for me as far as entertainment these movies i do not turn to for that but uh yeah helena marcos (laughs) i can picture her face right now yeah she's oh my god the look on her is genius it's so creepy and gross and just how witches are usually viewed so (laughs) All right, well, this is Brunch with the Hollowells, and we're doing episode nine of season six. This one is called Little Monsters. Before we get into that episode, Ryan and I had a bit of a confusion last week in regards to some of the notes that this that sword in the city had, and I have some answers. Oh, do you Do you remember what I was talking about? Mm-hmm. Yes, I just actually listened to it. Okay, so yeah, basically last week, this particular episode in Australia is called Queen Piper One. Just saying it that way, we are already just, we don't know what we're talking about, Ryan. Like, it's so obvious when it was explained to me, and I should have known better, but I did not figure it out. So I turned to our Australian char- charmy, Philip. And I asked him, you know, what does Queen Piper 1 mean in your country? Is there an explanation as for the title? So he writes, so it wasn't really an official title. Something Channel 10, which is the network the channel, the Charmed aired on, would come up with these nicknames for their ads, similar to the WB calling Valhalla of the Dolls, Valkyrie Vixens. (laughs) So it was just like a promo title. Makes sense. So the one was probably actually a Roman numeral one. So as Queen Piper one, like Queen. Yes, exactly. Like Queen Elizabeth the first. So it's like saying Queen Piper the first. Okay. You know what, though? In our defense, I think it is the way the Wikipedia explains it, right? Because if it was a Roman numeral 
it might have made more sense. But yes. Wow. I don't know one. why I didn't go into that direction either. It was written as the number one. So it just, yeah. But there you have it. So Queen Piper the First is basically the sword of the city, which I actually like. Yeah, that's actually really cute. Yeah. It's better than Hot Mamas, which is today's episode, according to the WB. <laughs> All right, let's get to Little Monster. So the air date is November 16, 2003, written by Julie Hess, directed by James L. Conway. Guest stars include Seth Peterson as Derek. Back is Eric Dane as Jason. Also co-starring is, I think it's Kaleeb Pinkett, no relation, I looked, as Virgil. All right, the day starts with Phoebe is at a fancy dinner with Jason. Things are going very well as Phoebe, using her empath power, detects that Jason loves her. So she accidentally says, I love you too. Ha! This is funny. So funny. Can you believe that? I mean, how do you explain yourself with that? Uh, It was, and it was acted so well. You could just feel it. It was, ooh, Phoebe. What did you just say? But I love the music too. The music just had that record stop and it was like, oh, romance is over. (laughs) No, that was pretty good. And then becomes extremely embarrassed. And so Paige orbs in and asks for Phoebe's help for a power problem. You would think by season six, their sixth year, that they would have these lies down. Coming up with better excuse. I mean, Jason was like, call the fucking power company and leave us alone. I was like, can you come up with a better lie, please? (laughs) It's so funny that these lies, and they just insinuate all of these, like, power. And I also love this. Who shows up at a restaurant unannounced? Phoebe. No better. Clearly, it's a witchy issue, right? Of course. But she's like, what are you doing here, Paige? And I'm like, clearly, it's a magical issue. Otherwise, I wouldn't be bothering you. But I think it's funny. Their their excuses get so creative every week. (laughs) And just right after this to have Paige show up, oh my god, Jason, what is he thinking at this point? Yeah, yeah. They orb to Piper, who is hiding in an alleyway from a manticore. Paige orbs a power line onto the manticore, electrocuting it. Then they, uh, they find that there is a baby lying nearby, and the baby has a long serpent's tongue indicating that it is a demon. So the only other thing that I had, just kind of going back to the whole Phoebe thing, is I know that she couldn't help it, right? She, she said it was by accident, and, you know, it, it sucks that she was able to read that and sort of find out that way, let alone kind of steal his thunder. I mean, he hadn't planned on saying it that night, but you took that moment from him, and that sucks. Like, nobody wants to be told what they're thinking, as we've seen with her yes. empath power, and so it just kind of sucks. But this is the other thing. Usually in the TV world, though, I'm surprised that it took them this long to even talk about it, because they usually fall in love real quickly on yeah. TV, and this relationship has really taken its time to develop into a more realistic way of, like, how two people should fall in love. I mean, they've been distant for a while. They didn't talk for a couple months and then like really getting back into their groove. And now it's like, do we share these 
more, you know, upgraded feelings for each other. And I think that's really cool. I thought the timing was good. But Ryan, they did not even need Phoebe to go to this alley. And you'd like, it looked very recon because they didn't even want to approach it. Right. They were just watching. Just going to leave. Exactly. So it's like, why did you even need Phoebe? Like you could have done this on your own. She doesn't even have any active powers. I just find that funny. I just found that funny. I guess they just wanted to back up in case they needed the power of three, but it didn't seem from right. What the, the, the demon that they had. Yeah. It was a little strange why they had to bother Phoebe, but this scene, Rob, did you think it was a little creep? I liked how it was filmed. Like they're looking at the demon being eaten in the alley and they're not sure what that is. But were you surprised they just wanted to leave without like noticing, like trying to stop the demon? Well, they didn't know what it was. And and I guess I would say if they needed the power of three, they could be there in case they, they needed it. Right. But I mean, I don't know what spell they would even use. They didn't know what it was. So it was best to just kind of leave and figure out what it was until, I mean, before trying to attack it, whatever they were eating, they couldn't save it. So there's really nothing to save. And they were eating a demon. So it, it's, it's all, it's all, it's strange. I, I was just like, let Phoebe have her dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and it couldn't have come at the worst moment that she's interrupted. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But let's just say, that Jason is getting richer by the days. Of course he's getting richer. Now he's going to buy wineries. I know. Wow. I mean, crazy. He's definitely the businessman for sure. Do you think that Jason sort of plays into, like, I have money? Like, is he a Bruce Wayne where he just throws it everywhere? Or do you think that he's actually kind of humble with his riches? You know, good question. And he is humble in some regards. Yes, he does have private jets and this and that and he could take phoebe to china in a day but he never seems to throw it in people's faces as far as we can see which of course would be a total turnoff and i'm sure that phoebe would not really be with someone who is like that i hope not yeah but yeah not too bad he's not one of those like it just you know has an air of wealth about them stuck up i don't see it yeah. Wyatt is taken to his new friend and to Piper's displeasure. Piper tries to separate them, but Wyatt just orbs to the baby's playpen or the baby shimmers back to Wyatt. Piper suspects the baby is evil. Paige knows he's still a kid. He can always be swayed between good or evil and Phoebe can sense neither good nor evil in him. Chris is unhappy and wants the baby vanquished, stating that this might be the evil that converts Wyatt in the future to evil. But Piper, despite her misgivings, is unwilling to do it. Meanwhile, a beast is in the alley where the sisters fought the manticore. It sees the empty baby blanket and roars. Jason, (laughs) Jason has, Phoebe has told Jason that she loves him. The next day she finds Jason in a meeting and that he is flying to Italy. She thinks he's avoiding her and they argue. Rob, so when Phoebe does go to see Jason at the office, had I been told I was the one to keep out, I think I would have felt just as fiery as Phoebe in that moment. How do you mean? 
when Phoebe says, asks the guy, like, wait, he's having a meeting. He doesn't want anyone in there. And he's like, well, mainly you, basically. Oh, my God. That would have set me over the edge, too, I think. Like, excuse me? But when she goes in, Rob, don't you think that these people act like almost like she walked in and she was naked? Like, it was so shocking that some woman walked into the office. I don't know. It was just too over the top, these people's reaction. So here's what I'll say to this. Phoebe is clearly is on this, and we've talked about this. She's on this pedestal to where she can basically do whatever she wants. Although the actual um, meeting wasn't described in its full like description of like what's going on or whatever, right? So she has this assumption he just has his door shut. But she has a tendency to just do whatever she wants. She walks into closed doored offices and she demands to be heard regardless what's going on in the next room. It, and th- so to me, it's like, especially her because she's known to go into places that she has no business doing. That's how I've seen it. Like we have to make sure that you specifically cannot come in because you can't, stay away when you're being told she's got phoebe privilege i that's just kind of how i see it but i did want to add the gentleman tristan who did stop her from going in did you happen to recognize tristan oh no was he in something he was in something so i'm gonna be so embarrassed now just just a little embarrassed just a little bit he was our possessed moviegoer, our movie nerd in Chick Flick. They used him again. Oh my God. Without the glasses then, right? Yes. Because he doesn't he have glasses originally? Mm-hmm. <gasps> yes. He's got those curly locks. Yeah, that is him. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe it's him. He just got a job at the Bay Mirror now. <laughs> well, while we are on the subject, though, I, I find this argument a little weird i totally get phoebe but you can't accuse somebody of running and avoiding feelings or you know flying and running away because men are predisposed to just bail when they hear the l word but who tried to call you all day before going to work and who were who was avoiding the other person's calls okay Good point. I, so, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying it's all one-sided, but I think if you are going to get angry over something that specific, you have to remember that within the same day, you were avoiding somebody's calls. So that's all I'll say about that. Do you think, going back to our conversation earlier when we were saying about the baby, what we were just read in our paragraph, do you think a baby could be inherently good or evil or are they just a blank slate like Paige is saying well i i love love plots like these i in any show in any kind of capacity i really enjoy the exploration of nature versus nurture i and you know and i even love the dialogue that was being said by the charmed ones you know they weren't all in agreement with this and it allowed for the viewers to hear the different points of views of people who may think differently, right? It's not one clear answer. And it, it's it's one of those, th- I, I just find it interesting. It's like that whole thing about like, do you go and kill Hitler as a baby when you know he's going to grow up to be evil or do something, you know, oh, yes. 
really bad. And so I, I really enjoy this topic. I don't necessarily have a clear answer as to which one goes um, to every single, you know, situation, but both of them definitely play a heavy part in the development of, of a child or a person in general. And I do think that everybody is their own person in a way. So I do believe it's hard to predetermine if someone is leaning one way or the other. So it it is an interesting plot point. And I just want to say Chris's firework shirt. Did anyone notice that? No. Oh, it was just had firework displays (laughs) on it. I was like, wow, Chris. Yeah, he's, um, he's flaming for us today. He's got his fireworks, sparkles, and... It's just so I didn't picture. I don't know. I never noticed that before. Little thing. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed the makeup job done on the manticores. So good, especially so good. the beast, uh, head to toe. Just that that prosthetic and makeup. I I just found that to be fascinating. I thought they did a great job on this monster um, in this episode. So back at the manor, Chris has found out that the baby is part of a manticore pack. In the Book of Shadows, the manticore's page reads, vicious demons with supernatural strength with venom claws. Manticores communicate in high-pitched cries and tend to travel in packs. And therefore, the rest of the pack will be coming for him soon. So he urges Piper to vanquish the baby. However, she is unwilling. There is no known vanquishing potion for Manticores, and Chris knows the rest of the pack is coming. The babies are playing games, shimmering and orbing, I guess in the form of like peekaboo. I thought that was cute. (laughs) Daryl calls Paige regarding a hostage situation. So I want to say that Daryl, after a huge hiatus, is back on Charmed. I Yay. feel like it's been, I mean, I guess it's been, what, since the opening, the season premiere? Just about. And oh. yeah, so glad to see him. But not only that, he technically kind of gets his own plot in, in this yes, episode, too. So does. that's pretty cool. So the SWAT team moves in because of a hostage situation. And Paige casts a spell to render Daryl bulletproof. The spell is blessed with powers from my destiny. I bless this hero with invisibility. So afterwards, he walks towards the gunman who fires three shots, but the bullets bounce off Daryl's chest. One thing that I want to say about Daryl, he really is going into this situation very personally with this guy, right? The, The gentleman's name is Virgil, and he explains, like, I've been trying to work with this kid. He clearly is not thinking straight and he's not you know a bad person i really don't want to see him die this is the first time that i remember daryl actually reaching out to them for a non-magical situation like i'm actually very surprised that he was willing to put his job on the line by asking for magical help and the fact that the sisters were able to do it do you think that this follows under personal gain this show is hard sometimes with with the personal gain issue because there's times when you think it would be as personal gain and it's not taken in that manner. But to me, I would never see this as personal gain. If I had powers, I would think this is helping people and doing what is part of your destiny. But I could see it being almost like a personal gain. But this goes back to almost to earlier when Daryl gets the promotion. Would that be considered personal gain because Leo impersonated the criminal that got 
I would say as long as it doesn't fuck with Death's design, then you should be able to do whatever you want. But if magic happened to help this boy live through this hostage situation, then that is something that I don't think is cool. So it, and that's just in general, right? That's kind of my little opinion about it, but it, it was still interesting to see him actually be like, I need your magical help, you know, for something non-magical. Finally, they're always help. Uh, he's always helping the sisters. So yeah, I'm glad Daryl actually reached out and got this help from Paige. Also, don't you notice like demons and the sexually charged charmed tv series we got now daryl has ditched the baggy three-piece suits and has turned to tight black t-shirts to go under his badge i mean don't you notice now he's looking thousand percent oh my god i love this look Yes, this is the Daryl we we wanted. It's and we needed. so funny because he was a detective the whole time. It's not like he wore a uniform at all. And so his change in wardrobe has fit the aesthetic of what Charm season six is now. I just Aren't find that so funny. Tr- that's the truest words. I'm thinking of those baggy ass suits. They were really bad. They were not showing off his physique at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the manticores, Chris with his argument regarding what they are, what they're capable of, and the fact that there's no known way to vanquish them with his argument do you think that the charmed one should have vanquished the baby no i really don't and the fact that they're even questioning it i don't know it just throws me off because can't they even think of like i don't know if demons work the same way but binding powers i mean what why does it have to go right to vanquishing yes i understand it's a demon it is it's not the best situation to have to figure out. But to me, the way that Chris is just like, kill it, kill it. Like, it's like, so it's too easy for him to say that to yeah. me. So it is, it's a weird situation, Rob. What do you, what are you thinking about this still? Like, even at this point, we're like, okay, it's a baby. I'm not, I'm not Mordaunt. I can't be killing babies. Okay. I'm not, I'm not putting a <laughs> knife or sword into a baby's skull. Like that's, disgusting i'm not killing a baby i would just lock i would lock the baby up go to the up find some other there's other ways to make sure this baby doesn't wreak havoc when they grow up it's it's ridiculous it's not happening you know uh word on oh my god so the only other thing is did you notice the buffy style font on the manticore's page i did not in the book of shadows so to me that is the i don't know what the font they always call it but i think it's called I think it is called Buffy, <laughs> but it's totally the Buffy font. If you look at the F's on that page and things like that, totally a Slayer callback, I think. Chris orbs to Leo, who is standing on the top of the Golden Gate Bridge, communing with the other elders. He tells Leo about the demon baby, who seems as fascinated with Wyatt as Wyatt is with him. Phoebe tries to separate Wyatt and the baby demon. But the baby gives a manticore cry. Piper can't figure out why the two are so taken with each other. The manticore cry of the baby attracts a beast. The beast attacks the sisters and Wyatt raises his defensive bubble. He grabs Piper and shimmers away. So Phoebe kind of went from zero to a hundred, I think, with stay away from my nephew, you thing. Like... 
She's I mean, had Phoebe's it. Respect, uh, like protective, but come on, they've been together all afternoon. Why it's not sensing any evil? Let the babies be babies. No, she's had it. She's like Piper, you playing good mother this whole time. It's time for the aunt to just put her foot down. She was done. Stay away from my nephew. So you know how in TV shows, at some point in the progression of the series, they develop a new location. And then as soon as that location is introduced, they just use it all the time. It's just like one of four main locations. We are now introduced to a new location in Charmed. And that is the top of the Golden Gate Bridge. Welcome, Bridge. Welcome, Bridge, to the Charmed family. <laughs> Isn't it weird that Leo said that he's invisible, but Chris looks like he's standing there? Yeah. Never knew, like, I, I didn't even remember them ever saying that. So I always just picture these tiny little people just standing up there. And like Rob said, welcome, Bridge, because it we're ain't gonna, ever going away. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see a lot of the bridge. Oh my God, Leo's look, though, when he found out Piper was in trouble. And then, like, that weird, suspenseful music added on. So he's, like, in his zen mode, and he's got his eyes closed. And then as soon as he heard Piper was in trouble, his eyes just went boom, like, dead. Just like, is everything okay? And I was like, oh, my God. Now that's zero to 100. Leo was just, and then he went back to zen. And then Chris like, no, it's about Wyatt. Boom. <gasps> another another lock eyes on Chris. <laughs> Leo was looking kind of psycho. It, it was funny, though. I loved it. Leo's had it with the whole thing. I know, right? So it's really funny that you have a manticore coming in to get the baby off their hands, right? Wouldn't you just let the baby, like, wouldn't you let the manticores just take the baby? I mean, wasn't that the whole point? Like, instead of killing him, just let him take the baby. I mean, if you've made a decision that you don't want this baby to be raised by manticores, that's one thing, but you still haven't figured out what you want to do. Like, I don't know. I just wonder if this would have just solved the issue, at least for the moment. I think it would have, but I think in the back of their minds, especially Piper, I mean, we've heard Paige's perspective, but I think she knows she's got that motherly instinct. And I think it's inside of her. She's thinking, well, hmm, should we really give this baby up? Is there a chance for it to be good? Or are they thinking of the future? Like, well, if this baby becomes part of this, will it be even more of something to look out for? But yeah, I think that would have been the easiest way. They don't have to kill any babies and (laughs) everyone's happy. (laughs) So Phoebe is crying for Piper and Paige regrets not being around. The Manticore baby is sleeping while Wyatt watches. They discuss using the baby's cry to lure the beast again. However, they do not have a potion. Leo and Chris orb in, and Leo tells them that demon babies are predisposed to evil and are not born neutral, which I think is a very important factor to bring in as they're making decisions with um, what to do. But again, while that may be fact, that's the whole theme of this episode is that do you challenge that? with the whole nature nurture thing dispose more of the nature part i'm sorry nurture part into the equation so again i just like how this topic is is being talked about throughout the the episode it is a great point it's a great discussion still i mean we're in five scenes in and we're still thinking like what is the moral thing to do so this is a fantastic plot device 
But again, I want to say that Phoebe is going from the two hundred. I mean, she was with Cole. Now he was a half demon, yes, but she saw that Cole was able to learn to love, and everything is not black and white. And I think that her character knows this at this point. Again, and it's a baby. I know it's a demon, but I don't know. It's just it's too soon to me to even think of like vanquishing. Especially since it's being so good to Wyatt at this moment. I feel like if something is inherently evil, it would have been even more cruel. Yeah. No, you make a good point with that. Beast tells Piper that he wants the baby. He seems embarrassed by his looks and is not a manticore. He refuses to tell Piper why he wants the baby. However, does say that he wanted to get the baby away from its mother, who the sisters killed. Piper slips free of the ropes binding her wrists and blasts him. Meanwhile, Daryl comes out with the gunman in handcuffs and thrashes a police car trying to put the gunman back in the seat. Piper hides in another room and finds a picture of a human man as well as a baby toy. The beast demands the baby again and threatens to kill Piper to keep her or keep her forever if she does not help him get the baby. So Beauty and the Beast are going to be here forever yeah it's quite clear that this is very similar to the beauty and the beast story for sure so how rob does piper just know already that the broken frame with the man's picture and the baby toy in this house that is completely destroyed and full of junk is linked to this beast and this baby well, I mean, that's clearly clue number one, but it is not quite clear, right? I think the baby toy is something that I guess gives it a little bit more of a hint. But then I guess what I think is happening is that maybe Piper can just sense it in his voice and the way that he is demanding the baby. Maybe it's a parent to parent vibe. But it's not explained in the episode, so yes, she's definitely speculating and also putting a lot of stereotype on the fact that he lives in a nice neighborhood. First of all, those are the craziest bunch of bitches anywhere. Like, don't trust anybody from the suburbs, man. Like like we said, you know nothing about those people. Okay, they're just better at hiding their sins. I like look in their basements. I just love, she just looked at the neighborhood and was like, oh, he's totally cool. I'm not (laughs) threatened by him anymore. He lives in this nice house, just like we do. Piper. Cole lives in a penthouse, you know? (laughs) Oh my God, Rob. When Daryl throws that man, Virgil? Virgil. Through the door and he goes. (gasps) And he looks at Daryl. I love that scene. I thought that was hysterical. So funny the way he's. So this is really cool too to see that Paige's uh, spell had a side effect for personal gain. By giving him invisibility, it turns him very cocky, incredibly strong, right? it's It's the side effect. He's also a little bit careless as well because I never really defined invincibility with the association of being strong because that's like saying... I can lift like a car if right. only my arms didn't hurt while I did it. That doesn't mean that you're strong enough to lift one, right? Right. So the idea that he can't control the fact that he's super strong gives that that little sort of continuity in my book. I, I just love him trying to deal with it. And nobody said a word. Not nobody. <laughs> Virgil's the only one just being witness to all this madness and he doesn't know what to do. 
But even Daryl's face when he takes the door off, such a great, what a great Daryl scenes that we got in this episode. I, well, he's also showing some versatility, right? So he, you know, as soon as the spell, he's like, yeah, I can do this. And then he goes in and he's just like, hold it there, son. You don't yeah. want to do this. You know, he's just so like mentor and all this demand. Yeah, it was so funny. I wish crowd. I wish they had gate let him like keep the power. I just I just would have loved Ooh, it if he had just that kept be it. Great. That would have been that, like lingers. Yeah, that would have been so funny. But yeah, just his startled look of like ripping the door off. All of that was great. Inspector, inspector, and he's like, yeah, waving to them, giving <laughs> high fives. Yeah, Daryl, love it. To the beast, right? The beast sounded a lot like Freddy to me. His voice was so Freddy, the way he was talking to her and kind of in her face. Man, kudos to Piper for not being phased or scared by any of that. Do you see how she also just called his bluff? Like, kill me! Do it! I don't want to be a mom anymore anyway. Like, I'm done with this shit. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's going to sound crazy to say at this moment, Rob. But do you feel like there's a sexual tension? Oh, no. We are so getting to that. No, let's wait. We're almost there. I feel like it even here. Like, she pipers through the picture, and she's just like, I know the whole story. I know this is a man, and I need one myself. No, we'll definitely get to that, but I totally agree. So, back at the manor, Phoebe and Paige are making a potion. Jason calls, telling her he needs to leave. However, doesn't express his feelings. So the baby screams again, and a manticore shimmers in. Phoebe throws a potion and vanquishes it, and then two more shimmer in, but the bee shimmers in right behind them. And he kills the manticores and shimmers away with the baby. I do love this scene. The fights that went down and the way that this beast was killing the manticores I thought was really cool looking. The, the whole heart thing that he did, you know, driving his fist into it. Like, that was great. I like all that of that. That was great. Yes, I agree. So Leo and Chris agree to return the baby to the manticores. But look around. Do you notice anything missing? <laughs> I know Chris did, of course. Yeah, so the baby was missing on this one. Rob, why do they never let Paige use her powers? This was the ample opportunity. Baby! Even if, okay, even later, if they, there's a scene later on, which they do address is that maybe the the baby would shimmer, but that's a big what if. In the meantime, they could have orbed that baby to Paige's hands for a minute and gotten the baby back, I think. There was also a little bit of call too, also, because the potion was just lying on the ground and she goes, Phoebe, get the potion. I'm like, no, you can just orb it in your hand. There, I mean, yes. there's a lot, but I mean, you clearly don't want these fights to be one-sided. Like, I totally get it for drama effect, but yes, her power is so effective. There's so much that she can do with it. I totally get it. Piper blasts the door. However, there is no effect. She tries the door knob and it opens. The beast is injured and Piper returns into the house to tend to his wounds. He tells her that he is not a demon. He's the baby's human father. He is the daddy. He had used a potion to assume a manticore-like form so he could find the baby. He doesn't expect to be able to raise the baby. However, he does expect to save it and give it to someone. Paige and Phoebe, unaware of this development, go to the manticores. 
They then orb to Piper and the father and the manticores shimmer in after him. They throw potions, but Piper blasts them. The sisters orb away, but Piper tells them about the father. The father nearly dead morphs back into his human form. The sisters call for Leo and he heals the father. How does he know about potions? Was it just because he got involved with the manticore's mother, who evidently does breed with, you know, humans? But was he predetermined to know this? Was he a witch? Did I know witches? I honestly think it's just due to the exposure of magic. This man has discovered that there are monsters and demons in the world. And so when you start reading about magic and potions, you all you have to do is just be like, I believe the words that are on these pages. So he started exploring and just start mixing potions together. It, it all makes sense. You know, you're, you're not going to go out and look at Harry Potter and think that's, you know, fact. And so you actually find out that magic is real and it's like, oh, well, is there any truth to any of this? So I think he yeah. just stumbled onto it and just started learning as he went along. I don't think he's a witch at all. He's lucky that those potions didn't a, kill him, explode him. Oh, my God. The things you do for your child. And I think that's another thing that was very present in this particular scene. So one, we also get sort of this underlying message about judging books by their cover right the whole beauty and the beast morale in 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 the movie is that while they look to be evil you have no idea what's really going on under the surface and not to say if you see a monster to just be like trying to be friends with it i'm not saying that but at the same time you literally get a look of something that has absolutely nothing to do from what's inside so that's just another example of like what's going on with this whole like judging before you act right so the other thing is the chemistry you brought up my god there was heavy chemistry between the two of them and i think again it's another parent to parent thing and he fine but it was even there when he was the demon i swear to god i don't know if it's just me i mean there was a heavy understanding i think for sure with the two of them and you know piper is just that very nice genuine person to kind of like maybe give off the vibe or or you know she, she just seems nice it just looked like they were getting along there there was just a lot of back and forth you know and what I also think is that his stubbornness matched with hers, to be honest. I mean, yes, 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 yes. I, I do love this. I love hearing his story and just listening to the depths that he went to to protect his child. You know, like he beds with a, a, a demon and then once finding out, first of all, how the hell was he able to get away from this manticore? I mean, usually the mates get killed. It's like, how did you even get away? And then it's, and also stealing the potions from their lair. Like, how did you even do that? Like, and what did she look like? Was these manticores, they didn't say anything about them taking on human like forms to breed. Like, she looks like a slee stack from the land of the lost. (laughs) I I would be very curious the look that was portrayed by this manticore when she was in her human form. There's so many questions that I have, but he definitely gets father of the year for this on what he was going to do to protect his kid. He'd rather be a demon and have enough strength and power to take on these manticores to keep him protected. I just think that's awesome. 
clearly this must have been a one-night stand. <laughs> this manticore was not having any conversations, I'm assuming, any <laughs> deep conversations about love and life. <laughs> so the sisters grab potions and go back to the manticores, who now have the baby. Piper plays peekaboo with the baby, encouraging him to shimmer to the sisters. They throw their potions and vanquish the manticores. They return the baby to his father, who happens to be known as Derek. Uh, meanwhile, Daryl is still invincible and is struggling with his new power. Pretty much everything that he touches just breaks. But he calls Paige to reverse the spell. And then Jason also cancels his flight to Italy so he can be with Phoebe. Now, I just want to say just on the Jason thing, I actually was yelling at the TV at this point. I was like, oh, my God, thank you, Jason. Like, you are your own boss. Like, fuck Italy for two days. Like, I loved his decision to stay. Like, this was not the time to leave. And I was like, if that were me... Yeah, I would have canceled the trip. This this was such a great move and writing style for Jason's character. I love that he decided to stay. You're right, because had he had gone, it would have proved Phoebe's point of him running from his feelings. And it would have been the typical that Phoebe was saying, oh, you tell a girl, girl tell, tells you she loves you and they run away. But so, yes. That got Jason some points, and his hair's growing back. I know, I did more, see that, More, yeah. more, yeah. more, more. It's no, getting that, that long. Um, I thought it was also a very cute callback to the whole peekaboo trick that they were doing earlier in the episode, having it being used to partially be, you know, the plan to save the day. So I, I thought that was great to kind of add that towards the end, and it wasn't just for nothing when we saw the scenes earlier. It was the longest peekaboo shimmer out in the in the history of shimmering, but yeah. Yeah, the timing didn't match what was going on earlier for sure, yeah. But didn't you also notice this, though? The manticores really stuck by their word. I mean, not only did they yeah. come in and, like, beat up Derek to a pulp, but they actually took Piper and then, like, gave Piper to the sisters before you know, tackling the the beast. And I was like, oh my God, the Manticores actually stuck to their word. But did the charm ones? No. These three women of of goodness literally went back on their deal and went over and killed them all. I would have, I don't know. I felt some sort of way. I was just like, these Manticores trusted you and you totally backstabbed them and came back and just killed them all. That is so fucked up. You're right. You're... So right, Rob. They delivered Piper. They got her out of the way. And all they did was want to go back to sleep with the baby around them. Derek's last scene with Piper as she's giving him presents. And, you know, she's like, what are you going to do? What's going to happen to him? Mm -hmm. And, oh, no, Piper was giving him looks. I I know your house. I want to go to that beautiful neighborhood. I shipped them. I did. Yeah. I did. I thought they looked so cute together. I'm sorry. I'm like, you have a magical baby. He has a magical baby to raise. Like, just do it together. Just do it together. opportunities, right, Rob? Because even though in the long run, we do want Piper and Leo to work. But if Piper's on this dating spree anyway, and she's already gone through 10 men, wouldn't it have been nice if the writers did incorporate this and they try to date maybe for a little while and make a go out of it, and then she realizes, no, I really love Leo. Wyatt and 
the baby are already besties. Can you imagine yeah. if they like grew up, formed like so much of this good evil treaty and just showed examples that they could be like work to get like, oh my God, so many opportunities that could have happened. universe. Yeah, that would have been so cool. Well, anyways, this concludes episode nine season six little monsters what did you think of the episode today i enjoyed it extremely more than i remember so which i guess seems to be a theme but i really liked the the plot i liked the ambiance of the whole of everything the, the earlier when they were in the alley the demons the makeup the chemistry yeah, loved it rob Yes, I once I realized last week what the episode was about, I did have a huge smile on my face. I really enjoy this episode as well. It's one of my favorites of season six. And again, it just goes into sort of the the discussion of nature and nurture and just the storyline. I like the character of Derek. I like the beast and I like the makeup. As I said earlier, I just thought this episode was still a lot of fun. Did you like his hump? He's got a big <laughs> package it's on his back <laughs> so uh yeah welcome to april charmies you know this is another month of brunch with the hollowells ryan this episode marks 120th recap of the series can you believe it this is the 120th episode Ooh, yeah we've on done the way to 150 holy crap so a couple of notes that i liked from this episode we talked about the title of hot mamas this is clearly feeding into the theory that ryan has discussed in season six is there an alternative name you would have given it or anything to make it more you know appropriate kill the beast kill kill the beast beast, exactly i'm sure it wasn't called piper in the beast i swear to you knowing how they did these titles Mm -hmm. or charmed and the beast or something like you're right something like that was beauty and the beast (laughs) This is the only episode in the TV series when Daryl gains powers. I really wish that he could have kept them. That would have been such a really interesting possible spinoff, to be honest with you, if they wanted to just have him be invincible. That would have been cool. So Pages uses the phrase raison don tet. Detra. Don. I can never say that. Uh, Raison detra. Yeah. Which means reasons for being. This becomes a theme for Paige, and she uses the phrase again later in the season. Uh, this is also the first time that the top of the Golden Gate Bridge appears in the show, but not the last. <laughs> uh, during a discussion between Piper and Derek, Derek says, you have a way with words, and Piper technically breaking the fourth wall with her response of, I ad lib a lot. which i'm sure is probably very true this title of the episode is in reference to the 1989 movie little monsters starring fred and ben savage as well as howie mandel and daniel stern what did you think of little monsters did you like that movie i freaking loved little monsters it was my movie back in the day it terrified me and delighted me all in one Little Monsters, such a fun movie. I watched it a lot when I was a kid as well. But this is a question that I always ask anyone who's ever seen the movie. Do you happen to remember Fred Savage's character's favorite sandwich that he always makes during his, on with his midnight snack? Do you remember? Okay, was it, oh, was it peanut butter and pickles? You were very close. 
It was peanut butter and onion. Onion! Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, he Can is you the- imagine? I know. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Hot Man Meter. It's raining, man! All right, we are going to start with our beast- Derek, played by Seth Peterson. Does Seth the Beast, aka Derek, make your top 10 list for hot men? Well, Rob, Daddy Monster is replacing my number six spot, which was Kip Martin as Jack. So Jack is gone and Daddy Derek is now in my sixth. Very nice. Very nice. So you did find him to be attractive. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that chemistry. (laughs) All right. So for me, I am definitely putting Derek on my list. Those curly locks had me on lockdown. He was (laughs) so adorable. Um, when he was talking to the family in the manor, I just, oh God, I found him so attractive. So this gentleman is definitely going on my list. Uh, pu- I'm putting him at number five, which means that I now officially have 10 men on my list. Ooh. Now let's move on to Tristan. This is possibly Jason's assistant. Um, this is played by Alec Led. We don't know if it's the same guy from the movie theater, but it's definitely the same actor. How about this geeky goodness? Does he make your top 10 this week? There was something about him in Chick Flick, now that I know it's him, that annoys me <laughs> always when I watch that episode. So sorry. Sorry, man. Yeah, Tristan is going... Is I'm going to pass on Tristan only because of the men that I have stacked on my list already. I'm not going to put them on. Then we have Virgil. So this is the gentleman who is exposed to magic, but we never really know if he really puts two and two together. It's played by Kali Pinkett. Does Virgil make your top 10 list? He does not make my top 10. Okay. All right. Well, I am going to put him on my list. Ooh, what number? I actually really like Virgil's look. And if you do I need to look up Virgil again. If you Hold do <laughs> look him up, if you do look him up today, I think he's very attractive as well. You don't really get great looks of him as he's always crowded around people or he's been thrown across <laughs> the room. But I, I actually really like his look. He's not gonna go super high, but I'm going to look on I'm on IMDB right now. <laughs> I am going to put him over Steve Montana. So Steve Montana is Richard's brother. Uh, I'm going to put him over him. Okay, so yeah, you know what? Very handsome gentleman now. I'm looking at him right now. Born in 1980. Yeah, I think so. Better look in this picture now. (laughs) All right. How about Armando Pucci? Now, this is our wine captain. He's the gentleman at the restaurant who was in charge of the wines. Does this debonair gentleman, this this finer things in life guy, make your top ten list? I I dig his last name. I got to say, that last name is something. But no, this gentleman does not make my list. I'm not classy enough for his wine list. (laughs) I'm going to pass on our wine captain as well. How about the um, SWAT commander? So he had one or two lines during the hostage situation. I think he may have had a helmet on the whole time. He did. You may not recognize him. This is played by Brady Smith. 
eh, I don't know. What do you think? I know you're into voices, Rob. You didn't like his, stand down, <laughs> Lieutenant, Lieutenant Morris. <laughs> well, I'm definitely passing on him. I didn't get yeah. a good look at him. What do you think? Same, same. He was covered up by that helmet. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, if any of these people made your list, Charmies, definitely add them to your list. We are also looking for you to pick one hottest female and most adorable. If anybody might fit your list, definitely list them. Keep that list updated, and then at the end of the season, I'll be asking you to submit your list so I can combine them to make one Charmy Hot Man meter of Season 6. Ryan, did you happen to get an MVP this week? You know, I never give Piper enough credit, so this week I'm giving Piper credit for one, realizing that that was a human father, getting herself out of being tied up, and really get reuniting him with his baby. I, I'm giving it to Piper. I think this was a Piper episode. Her chemistry, Piper, Piper, Piper. Very good. Very good. I really want to give it to the Beast this week, especially if that same actor, Seth Peterson, was in that makeup. I didn't see anybody else cast as the Beast, so I think just the dual work that he put in, and also, again, his character, I just I just found to be really cool. So he's my MVP for Little Monsters. What about a play of the week? Maybe it was Daryl and his unbelievable strength, or Paige giving oh, him yeah. powers. yeah, you know what? You know what? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, first off, that page spell, I didn't mention earlier, but I think that's one of the coolest spells. It was so simple. And I like that she called upon her destiny and that he was a hero. Like she mentioned that. Yeah, why didn't he get to keep these powers? But yeah, Daryl throwing that Virgil through the door. It's just a funny scene to me. So that... That's that your will play. Be my play of the week. My play of the week is when Piper takes Wyatt to the attic and he's like, no more orbing. You don't orb to the baby. You stay here. And then the demon baby shimmers in and kicks it in the attic instead. I love that play. I think it is so funny thinking that the baby was going to stay downstairs. And that's the thing. Wyatt did exactly what he was supposed to do. He didn't orb. The, the baby came to him. So I love that play. I thought that was so funny. She was like, I give up. It's like, I can't with these babies. Do what you must. <laughs> he orbed beautifully too. He was in his nice sitting position. He knew to orb right on that blanket. That baby. Yeah. That's and true. Oh yeah. And then the camera went on the baby and he was like, your play, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to conclude our episode of Brunch with the Hollowells. This has been Little Monsters. Next week on Charmed, Crisscrossed. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, okay, we're going to be introduced to a different character. My memory serves me from the many times that I've watched this. I actually didn't care for her. I didn't care for her. Why do you okay, we'll talk about this before we get into the episode next week because I wanna I wonder if we are on the same wavelength as to why. But I just I just didn't favor her. I just didn't. She's fucking gorgeous though. She's super pretty. I just can't Yeah, she's a pretty she's a pretty yes, pretty, I just pretty can't. actress. I just can't with her. I just can't. But well no. maybe after this rewatch, let's see if my opinion about her changes. 
We'll see. We're going to be doing crisscross next week. We hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful Easter Sunday. Have a great day. Goodbye, Charmies. Bye, Charmies. WB's Big Sunday. It is time to get back in the saddle. They've indulged their passions. <laughs> now, a vixen from the future will reveal all this fun has a price. Welcome to the Halliwell Memorial Museum. The Charmed Ones were responsible for a thousand demon vanquishes before they were finally vanquished themselves. All new Charmed, followed by an all new Tarzan. So Ryan, it looks like Twitter, Instagram, the internets have been blowing up on some latest information that's that's been going on. Have you heard of this April Fool's Day news that popped up? <laughs> well, thanks to a certain Robert, I do know. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I was actually sent this information because I wasn't online when all of this went down. I was working. I, I received a link from a Charmy and then I didn't look at it until, you know, the next morning. And I'm like, is this real? Because it's April Fool's. But as I'm reading it, I'm like, no, this is actually real. So anybody who doesn't know what's going on. Apparently, a former charm scribe, Krista Vernoff, you may have heard her name on the podcast as she's one of the writers that was previously on the OG, basically left the show before the the whole show, you know, was canceled or finished. And so uh, Krista Vernoff is also a current writer on Grey's Anatomy and also the spinoff series Station 19 was a writer and producer of uh, the original show from 2000 to 2004. So she reveals that there was a season five arc featuring Alyssa Milano, Phoebe, morphing into a mermaid. And it marked a very turning point for her in her career. It also may have paved the way for her eventful exit from the following season. So she did not do season six on. And so here's what she had to say. I signed on because Charmed was a girl power show. Now, this is uh, said during an interview on The Hollywood Reporter, right? And about halfway through there was an episode where Alyssa Milano comes out in a mermaid pasties and there was a huge spike in male viewership, right? And then every episode after, this is what went down in the writing studio the question that would come up from the network is how are we going to get these girls naked this week so from a woman's standpoint that is something you do not want to hear a group of people talk about and so when it came time to decide whether to stick around for sixth season she decided well this same year unfortunately she had lost her father so she was already in mixed emotions about a lot of things it it kind of followed her conscience, she says, they were also throwing money at her. The number just kept going up as to, you know, to continue to work, right? The pressure and everything was on to her. And, and so she says, all 
I can think is I'm creating something that's now bad for the world. Now, remember the bad part. Bad for the world is what I think a lot of reaction has focused on. And I've had enough bad for the world in my life. So this article posts. This is on tvline.com as well as other articles, I'm sure, but this is the original. And so Krista even went on to Twitter to follow it up. She says, I want to clarify here for Charm fans, also for my colleagues from Charmed, who I love and admire, that I do not believe that the show was a, was bad for the world. I felt that the objectifying notes were bad for the world and were demoralizing for me. All love to Charmed. Okay, so before we go on, Ryan, what do you think about this story? Now, this kind of coincides to what you've noticed with our subtitles and sort of the oh, change yes. in fashion and things that are going on the show since Rose McGowan's entrance and obviously her after her year starting the show. So what's your opinion on this? And I even remember to back this up in Brave, Rose McGowan's book, she said that when she came on the show, a lot of the produce, maybe the producers or the writers were like, oh, we have Rose now. She's this sex symbol kind of thing. So they were expecting, I guess, a whole other thing to happen with Charmed. Am I shocked that in the years 2000 that writers were objectifying women? No, I'm not shocked at all. It's disheartening in a way yes it's not the ideal thing i am not i'm not surprised that this is a thing i mean we like you said we noticed that the clothes are getting less and less as the series went on and things were more about sex and things like that so no i'm not shocked at all i guess it's just and we'll talk about this but i guess it's just like the timing of why now well, you know, like it's it's funny. Certain stories do not get released or people do not have the courage to say their piece of what they experienced from their past career is because the opportunity never came up. Um, I'm not exactly sure what went down in this interview to bring up uh, this particular thing, but the fact that she was a part of the show, maybe she never really got that sort of exit interview mm. as to why she left and you know, people do know her as a charmed uh, writer. So it's like, hey, why did you leave? And so maybe this was just the right time to bring it up. For me, how I read this, her particular, regardless of any reaction or follow up to this, what I read was she said that the direction that the show was going is, is bad for the world and I'm assuming younger girls I can understand from her perspective why she would view it that way I also noticed that in her tweet following up the interview she states that it's the notes so apparently she's now working with a network who is not primarily focusing on girl power woman power you know less objectifying or whatever the case if if the main goal is like how are we gonna show more skin then i right. understand why her personally would not feel comfortable working under that environment right mm -hmm. does i don't necessarily think that she should be canceled or she completely just says anything past season five is a farce i'm i'm i don't sense that in what i just read I just feel that her experience versus the rest of the women on the show, whether it's in front of the camera or behind the camera, her experience did not warrant her to stay there and continue a 
a, a happy career with the show. So that's how I'm reading it. But let's sort of talk about the reactions. We actually had two out of the three charm ones react to this. Ryan, why don't you share what Holly said on Instagram? So Holly writes, in 2004, when Krista left, I was pregnant with my first son and I went back to work when he was three months old. I and my new baby were completely embraced on the set. Trust me when I say there was enough girl and women and manpower daily to help me raise an amazing now 16-year-old boy. I'm sorry Krista's behind-the-scenes experience was different, had we been made aware of comments or directions like that, we would have loudly disagreed and been bitches about it. You know, which they've been accused of over the years. This keeps coming up. The set, the charmed actresses were witches and bitches in real life. Unafraid, un- undeter- undeterred, and as always widely reported, universally known, and crazily still talked about, we also chose our outfits or lack thereof 100%, which I had a feeling, especially in Alyssa's case. The WB nor our producers ever controlled us or our choices after season one because it was a good year for them. We changed dialogue at will and refused storylines when it was warranted. Our exists will our exist will attest to that as I'm sure as well as I'm sure. Ooh, that's a whole lot of, that's a whole lot of things going on there, Rob, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So it sheds a little light uh, to sort of in comparison to other people on the show, what it was like. Apparently she said that she was unaware of this type of experience. She's also not downplaying the experience that Krista had. She's not denying it. She's not, how dare you or whatever. Right. Yes. What I like about her response is that she she doesn't dismiss her experience either. It wasn't the same. And that doesn't mean that Krista is wrong for claiming that, you know, Charmed is now bad for the world or whatever. I, I do like that response. Question for you, is there a timestamp? No, not 17 hours ago. So it just says 17 hours? Okay. Yeah. All right. So Holly also went on Twitter about this too. There are two different entries. One of them I think is in correlation to this news. So I'll yeah. read this first. This was 15 hours ago. So Oh, so there you go. So that was even earlier. Yeah. So she Or no, even yeah, later. Yeah, it was later. It was later. So this was around two o'clock yesterday or you know April 1st. And she says, but hey, I was just super excited to work with Jamie Presley. that week and we spent the whole week laughing so what the fuck do i know and then she writes under that i forgot that was the one with the fearless spell not really yeah no i didn't but people see and remember only what they want to and what serves their narrative of the moment i have no idea if this has anything to do with that but because it's the mermaid episode i thought i'd read it but this definitely is a part of the conversation this again also about 17 hours ago so Alyssa milano actually writes well this absolutely breaks my heart i hope we didn't make something that was bad for the world quote unquote for eight years so already right there this happened in season five, so it wasn't eight years. No. But we'll, we'll move on. I think we gave permission to a generation of women to be themselves and to be strong and own their sexuality 
I'm so proud of what this show meant to so many. Okay, so that right there is a whole different perspective on the exact same issue. Yeah, yeah. Women who dress provocatively or show more skin or attract the male viewers, therefore let's keep that train going, can be looked at it one of two ways. Are they dressing to objectify themselves or are they taking charge of their sexuality? It could be one of two things. Um, it, 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 it really is to the person, right? To, to pronounce fact over one or the other, I don't think works in this situation, in my opinion. So what do you think about Alyssa's reaction? Well, I, I do feel like out of all of the girls, this would be about Phoebe's character and what she dressed like, I mean, because she was the most, I mean, undressed out of all of them. So, I mean, we're coming from the view as gay men, but I do see that, yes, I mean, was I a fan of them getting undressed all the time? No, if it didn't warrant it. But I do think this is this was their way of showing women to dress how they wanted to. Yes, it's a double thing. You get the male viewers. But I'm taking Alyssa's take on this, and it is, I'm fearless. I could dress like this. I'm a woman. I could do what I want kind of thing. But it is, it's a really, it's a really... A subject that's really like could go either way, but I am taking it as an empowering for women. And I believe that's what the show truly still is. I mean, sex or not, it's still three strong women fighting evil on a daily basis. I totally agree. And I don't know if it's the way that I was raised or the way that I raised myself is that I've never looked at it as a way of, you know, them objectifying themselves or or putting themselves at a lower standard by just constantly showing skin. I think the acting also paired with it made them even stronger. I I don't know. I just never looked at it as a negative way. Now, does that mean that I may have been naive to think that they couldn't possibly be demoralizing by dressing like that all the time? I, I don't know. But when I grew up, I never thought that way. I never looked at them like that. I always thought they were gorgeous. I I never never. thought they were slutty or whatever. Like, it just never crossed my mind to think that way. No, I mean, as we got older, I realized the plots and I'm like, okay, really, did we need Lady Godiva possibly or whatever in the future? Like, things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. But at the same time, Charmed has done the same with men. How many shirtless men did we have when women turning animals into shirtless men to have sex with them? So Yeah, we saw a plenty from the dudes. I mean, it's 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 you know, sex is universal. Men and women are objectified on a daily basis with shows like well, this. It's meant to sell teenagers sex. Well, it's good that they, you know, put their foot down on it and say, you know, we are definitely responsible for whatever it is that you see. It's not just the men controlling what it is that yes. we wear. That's yes. the line that I like. So, under that, Holly Marie also comments under what Alyssa says. I can attest to to Alyssa's comment 1000%. Look, is this why you say 1000% cuz she does it? <laughs> No, no, no. I, I just always have said that, but now I could say. Yeah, I know. Yep. With my Piper head. I can attest a thousand percent charmed was not bad for the world. The reasons and people are too long to list. Maybe it was bad for Krista's world at the time in story. Now that's a very definite statement a- based different from what she said on Instagram. But again, she's not 
downplaying her experience is just not the experience she got, right? We know, Holly, how strong her opinion is when someone comes for charm. Do not come for charmed. And I think that Holly's opinion softened after Krista must have rewrote that thing saying that she's not saying about the cast and the crew and kind of things like that. So I think that's what softened Holly a little, but don't come for charmed when Holly Marie is around. So she finishes with this and the fact that we can still stand up for ourselves and the show and the people who love it proves this. I never cared what producer or network exec wanted us more naked for money. And still don't. We knew how to rally against it and found our own power and still do. Hashtag facts. So, I mean, they pretty much handled this on themselves, you know, but I wanted to kind of bring it up on the show to just showcase that anybody who is reading what Krista Vernoff said, not again to cancel her or shun her or say she's not part of the charm family who likes the OG. There's no versus or in between. This is a difference of opinion. And again, this is her experience, not theirs. And there also is no where that it says that anybody else so far has not witnessed this or seen this experience. So again, whatever Krista saw it was enough for her to say, I gotta go. How do we not getting the um, behind the scenes full house Saved by the Bell movie of Charmed? I know. Because the it sounds time like. Un- <laughs> yes, unofficial. Oh God, I would love that. Oh my God. Can you imagine starting with like Shannon years and then end? Oh my God. This is a movie itself. Definite movie for sure. <laughs> but yeah, again, you know, take everything you hear. And, and apply it to yourself, not to others. You know, just think, how does something like this make you feel? And if you have an opinion, that's great, but it needs to be for open discussion. You know, when people put stuff out there and just literally, bam, facts, when you're not even a part of it, like, and I'm just talking about just any old stranger, any old tweeter that wants to go out and just talk about something that they don't know anything about. I am not here to pick sides or say one is wrong, one isn't. But it's great that the stars of the show came on and took ownership about what it is that we saw because Krista's interview could have easily been perceived that the show was controlled by men and the reason why it changed and they had no say. That executive producer, Alyssa and Holly, was no joke. They were a part of it. So, you know, you either tag them along with what's going on or, you know... I think she didn't realize what she said and how she said it. And she was not ready for the Charmed fans because anything that the Charmed, this will explode a Charmed fan because they took it as her bad mouthing the show. You know, we got to take her, her follow up tweet when she explains, you know, it's not about the show, you know, it, it was worded badly possibly, but it's not that the show is bad for the world. She's saying like Rob said, the notes from the execs, and higher ups were bad for the world, but I'm glad she clarified it because us charm fans are not, we don't play with us. <laughs> My God, 20 years later, we're still talking about this show. Yeah. I mean, well, we put that to bed. 